What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is David and Isaac, our girl Candace. We're going to start off with a shout out to her. She is graduating tonight with her master's, and that is huge. Love it, respect it. She will be back with us uh, probably after we talk about game six. Game six is Friday night in San Francisco. The Memphis Grizzlies beat the brakes off of the Grizzlies in game five in Memphis, 134 to 95. And it wasn't even that close, really. That, you know, what's a, that's a 39, 39 point win. win. And that was three minutes of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter of garbage time and yeah, the garbage time seven. warriors, the garbage time warriors brought it back. The, the, the Grizzlies at one point, what was the biggest lead? 55, 55 or 56. Yeah. 55 yeah, or 56 55 points from the Grizzlies. Just they, it was unbelievable, man. They, the, the Grizzlies came out, they took care of business. Steven Adams was an absolute monster on the board that this team had been getting out rebounded by the Warriors in this series, and they destroyed them on the board. They had 18 offensive rebounds to the Warriors four, 55 rebounds total to 37. And then you, you look at points in the paint. The Warriors had 36. The Grizzlies had 50. This is how the Grizzlies beat teams down, and this is exactly what happened. And I knew, I knew, knew, knew this crap was coming, but I was shocked as hell. Peter Edmiston tweeted out talking about the amount of blowouts that the Grizzlies had this year. And he said, is there a conversation to be had about this? They're dealing with it all day. <laughs> and he, he kind of, he didn't retract the statement, but he, you know, he, he tweeted again and he's like, nobody's saying the Grizzlies are better without John Morant. You guys are freaking out. But what are you implying then? Because you didn't – you point out the blowout losses or the blowout wins for the Grizzlies and how many they had with Ja there, how many they had without Ja there. And you kind of left it at that. And that's the issue with, you know, you know, the character limit on Twitter. You can't get your full thought out, so you put that out there. And what that what is that going to open up to? And you're, you're a member of the Memphis media. And I'll tell you, the, the Warriors – media does they they do a fine enough job of bashing the grizzlies and the coaching staff and they do the national media they, they have the national media that all, all we hear oh well you know the warriors kind of mailed this one in yeah. no 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 they didn't steph curry draymond green clay thompson did not come out in the first half of this game and mail it in the grizzlies came out and punched them in the face the grizzlies came out and dominated this game did they lay down in the third quarter after the Grizzlies continued to be on them? Yes. Yes, they did. So for, you know, half of the third and the entire fourth, they laid down because the game was out of hand. But this narrative that, oh, well, they just laid down our, well, the, the Warriors just wanted to win it at home. Give, give this team some credit. This team won. They had the second best record in the league for a reason, and it wasn't by accident. Yeah, the, the disrespect of the Grizzlies is just – it pisses me off from the national media to, to the Warriors media to the Warriors fans. They have disrespected this team from the jump, and I don't understand. Like, I, I, I was on Twitter the other day, and I was like, man, you would think that the Grizzlies were the Houston Rockets or something that they were playing against. Like, they're the number two seed. They have home court advantage in this 
<laughs> in this series, and they want more games than you. I mean, I know that's regular season basketball, but people act like the Grizzlies are just some crap team, and they're just supposed to lay down or something. And this thought that the Warriors just laid down, oh, Charles Barkley and, and, and Shaq were kind of saying that on inside the NBA. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. The Golden State Warriors are an older team. They're watching this Phoenix-Dallas series that could end up going seven. They want to get this thing over with as early, as early as possible. And before the game, Steph Curry was asked on ESPN, what was the game plan for tonight? He said game plan was to whoop that trick. And I think just like Michael Jordan famously said on the last dance, I think the Grizzlies took that personally. But if Steph Curry said that for the game, he's not saying that in a game where they're just melting in and, oh, we no. want to go back home and win the game six. They thought for sure. Clay Thompson even said it in the post-game press conference that we were trying to close this young team out. And the Grizzlies came out and punched them in the mouth, and they didn't have any answer for it. And it was the fro, bottom line. It was the fro, I'm <laughs> Oh, man. I, when I saw that, I had a good feeling. When I saw him walking oh. in with the fro, I was like, man, it's going to be a good night, man. He had the fro out. Throw out, man. It, Z- it was, dude, man. I Zaire, it. man. I love him with, with that fro. Like I even, yeah, he, I wish he, I wish he times early in the season, and I, I love that look for him, man. I, I love it a ton. That that is, I, I will say, I've got to give Draymond Green and Steph Curry a, a certain level of respect because the way that they handled that game, Steph Curry knew what he said, and when they get up. And they're playing whoop that trick and 20,000 Grizzlies fans and the MC is out there. And you know, they're, they, Steph Curry knew who that was directed at. Yeah. And he took it on the chin, man. He's out there on the floor and you know, they're dancing and Draymond green said, he's like, you know, don't just feed off the crowd when you're ahead. That, that That's being a front runner. And I'm not about that. So, you know, I I've respected these guys and their game and what they brought to the game, what they can do. They're both great players, but what Steph Curry done taking, you know, being out there on the floor, taking it off the chin and Draymond out there. And then Draymond's words in the presser, it just gave me a different level of respect for those guys. And, and that is, I still hope the Grizzlies beat the brakes off of them and we get game seven back at the forum and the Grizzlies close this series out. But you know, it, it, it changed my outlook for Draymond Green and Steph Curry. And I, I really hope that they're able to to, to win this game uh, tomorrow night and get this back to a game seven uh, because I hate what if they don't. Uh, and it'd be great, fantastic. We hope they win. They get the game seven and they win it. But if they don't, the, when, you, when you look back historically in the narrative on this season, it's going to be that no matter how it turns out, especially even if the Warriors follow winning game seven, delusionally people are still going to say this. Oh, well, even though these same people were saying, Warriors in four when the series started, and that was when they thought John Morant was going to be playing. Um, uh, where the Warriors just did what they were supposed to do. The young team could, couldn't close out games, blah, blah, blah. They were never going to beat this team. And it's BS. I mean, if you look at this series, and I've said this, I was on the radio today on a radio show talking about it. I've been saying it on Twitter. And anybody that looks at this series objectively, that's not delusional because there's a lot of that going around right, right now when it comes to this series, if, if you break this down, the Grizzlies, to me, are clearly the better team in this series. And, and I've got some pushback on that, but it's, just, it's easy to see. I mean, you go back to game one. Grizzlies lose that game by one point. Uh, John Morant with a, with a chance for a game-winning layup uh, at, at the buzzer to take game one. And if you had had Steven Adams, Steven Adams wasn't in COVID protocol. If Taylor Jenkins had started him 
uh, from that game. I don't see any way they lose that game. If Steven Adams plays in game one, I really do think they win that game. And then you go back to game four, which you saw how the Warriors, Warriors played in that game. Warriors played like crap. A lot of that had to do with the Grizzlies defense, which for some reason people don't want to give them credit for that either. It's not the Grizzlies defense or anything the Grizzlies doing. It's just the Warriors not doing what they're supposed to do. And it doesn't have anything to do with the Grizzlies. That's kind of the, the narrative out there. But if you have Jabba Red in that game, the Grizzlies win game four. And if those two things happen, you're looking back at the series, the Grizzlies closed it out last night and won four to one. And that's not even mentioning a hobbled uh, Desmond Bain for, for three out of four games. Looked like he was healthy uh, last uh, four out of five games. Looked like he was healthy last night. Uh, so glad to have him back. I'm going to talk about that a little bit a little bit later. Also, you have Dylan Brooks. I know he made the, the, the boneheaded play, whatever, but he essentially missed uh, two games. So you didn't have his defense in there. I mean, the Warriors have got a lot of breaks in this series, and people aren't willing to admit that. Because, I mean, when you look at this stuff, the Grizzlies would be, I think, up 3-2 at minimum, if not 1-1 one, one, the series, 4-1 to one, if a lot of these things had happened. I know that's revisionist history, woulda, shoulda, coulda, but it's, it's just true, and I just hate that people are not talking about this stuff and not respecting it, like, when, 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 you, when you talk nastily about Desmond Bain, they're just saying, oh, we're still locking him up. They're running about the three-point line, and he just isn't playing well. That's what they were saying before game five. And I'm like, did, did you know this dude had a bulging disc in his back? Like, you're not going to acknowledge that. Like, they're just locking no, him up. No, you saw last have, night. Man. You saw last night that he didn't get locked up because he looks healthy now. And they're not going to lock him up. If he's healthy, he's going to knock down three-pointers. And he just wasn't healthy in, in those first four games. Yeah, it's wild to me. Like you, you don't have to agree with the fact that the Grizzlies are the best team in this series, but when it is when the Grizzlies are winning, it's excuses as to why the Grizzlies are winning instead of reasons why the Grizzlies are winning. And when the Warriors win, it's because they're supposed to. Yeah, and championship get, pedigree, and, uh, yeah. and 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 people are living off this stuff that. In the past, I'm talking this year, bro. That's what people keep bringing up. They won championships in the past. That's fine, but that's in the past. Like, that, that team is not winning the championship this year. They're losing. Even if they get past the Grizz, they're going to get smacked by Phoenix. If Phoenix wins that series. This team, that Gold State Warriors team is really good, but they're not anything like those two those teams from the past. That they, they want to, their fans want to portray they are and, and kind of this narrative that their team, that team's not winning the championship this year. I, I will say that. And stand on that right now. I just that team is not as good as the perception of that people want to say that they are because they're they're just living in the past on these championship pedigree. Those three guys have won championships in the past, but but Father Time man is undefeated. Things run out like just because you won a championship years ago and you had KD in in, in part in, in some of those championships. I think that made a little bit of a difference. You're still living off that man, and and this is a new age. Like the Grizzlies are coming. They're not. Worried about what you did in the past, man. The Grizzlies are right now. They're in your face. These guys are young. They're hungry. And, and they're not going to back down just because you won championships in the past. And I think the Warriors came into this series thinking they could just kind of pump them out better in them and that, that the Grizzlies are just going to fold. And I, I think they know now that that's not the case. I think last night, finally, I think they finally realized it. I think they kind of still felt like that until last night. Now, that's not saying the Grizzlies are going to, for sure, go out there and win tomorrow night. But I, I think the Grizzlies have found some things uh, against this team. And, and when you look at things that can be, like, adjustments that can be made, I don't really know 
the adjustments that the Warriors can make. It's, the Warriors are basically in the situation is either they make a lot of threes or they're going to be in trouble. They don't have any answer for Jared Jackson Jr. They don't have any no, answer for no. for Stephen Adams. They just don't. I mean, there's nothing that they can do. They just don't have the size. They got one big guy in Draymond Green, and in, 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 in compared to Stephen Adams, and he's undersized. So they just don't have it. I mean, he's a veteran savvy guy, but he's not going to stop Stephen Adams. He's not going to get him off the boards. I mean, they just don't have the personnel. And when the Grizzlies are making threes like they made last night, this team, I believe, this team can beat anybody. With that, that's one thing about this team. If they're knocking down threes, they're going to blow you out of the gym. And that's what we saw last night. You know, the the, the Warriors had an injury in that game. Otto Porter went out with a sore yeah, right foot. Yeah, that's, that's the big. And, he's been big for them. Yeah, he, he's been dynamite in, in this series. He's been like – I don't know that I would say underrated. Maybe underrated is a good word for it, but he, he's been one of their better players in this Knocking series. Knocking out threes, getting rebounds. I, I saw a stat the other day, and I didn't write it down. I wish I had now. But in his minutes in the during this Warriors current Warriors playoff run, when he's on the floor, the Warriors are like, it was something stupid, like a plus 49 or something crazy. Like it, it was a ridiculous plus whenever he's on the floor and so that hurt him you know they had to go to uh Bieliska coming out in the second half and I'm like dude what is going on <laughs> I, I was at the game and I didn't hear anything I didn't see yeah. anything and I saw like Jordan Poole came out at halftime and he either ha he had heat or ice on his ankle I'm like okay maybe he's in because Jordan Poole is hurt and then somebody told me on Twitter that uh Porter was out with a foot injury and that's scary for them because Porter has had a history of injuries with that same foot dating back to his college days at, at Georgetown. So as big as he has been for this team, for, for that team, rather this team is the Grizzlies. This is not a Warriors podcast. Um, as big as he's been for that team, that that's a huge hit. He's not one of the big names, but the Warriors are three years removed from their last finals appearance and it's not the same team. No. You know, and this is Clay Thompson has not been the Clay Thompson of, you know, that, that 2015 to 2019 run. He's not played at that level, not even close. Steph Curry has not played at that level. And that's not to say that these guys cannot find it and it can't happen. But everybody is talking about this series like that is what it is. We're, we're looking at 2015. I know. They're like, they like won a championship and, last year or something. Like, it, I, I just don't get it, man. I, I, I understand respecting those guys for who they are and what they've done and what they are. They're still great players. But this is not them in their peak anymore. And that, that we'll, we'll see game six uh, again. It's tomorrow night in San Francisco. But what has to happen in order for some level of respect to show up for this Grizzlies team and what they've done? And you mentioned Dylan Brooks. We kind of talked about him for an extended period in the last podcast. But I want to mention something that he said to Kelsey Wright Johnson. And he was – or maybe it wasn't to Kelsey. I know, I know that he said it. Uh, he knows. Like, he realizes that he's been playing like crap and that he can't get the three to fall. But if you look at what he done in, in this game, he didn't fire up as many threes. One reason was because he didn't have to. Jaron and Tyus and Desmond were all knocking them down at a very high clip. But he realized that they're not falling, and so he made that adjustment. And 
it, I'm not going to go on a huge rant about this. I don't want to extend the Dylan Brooks talk to a, a long period, but he is still like, he was a plus 38 in this game. And this game is an outlier. This is one of those things you can't always look at the plus minus, but even when he's struggling offensively, he's doing things that brings value to this team. No doubt. Uh, I mean, I was really hard on, or Dylan Brooks after game four. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I was hard on him on Twitter, hard on on our last podcast, but I, I commend him for the game that he played last night. And I pointed out there was one instance, I think in the first quarter, where he got past the ball. Um, he was wide open for three, and he pumped fake and, and took it to the basket. And, and if that was game four, he would have fired that thing up. And he still took some some, some threes and missed them badly uh, in the game, but they weren't shots that were in it. And it's, it's also – better when you're up 45 it doesn't uh, or up 50 it doesn't doesn't feel as bad when you miss those shots but they weren't I don't think hero shots he just missed them I mean they weren't bad shots at all like he took a lot of bad shots in in, in game four but his defense was tremendous last night um and, and again like you said I think he made the adjustment and he said it what you say he told Kelsey right he said in the post-game press conference as well he said that someone asked him did did, did he hear all the criticism and hear all of the media and stuff that they were talking negatively about him on Twitter and, and criticizing him. And he said one good thing about him, he doesn't have social media, but he said basically people tell him stuff. And, and he said that he knows that he's played like crap. Like that, that's no question about that. He knows that threes are not falling. But at the end of the day, he said DB's going to be out there locking up on defense. And, and that's what he did last night. So I didn't have any problem with the way he played last night. Like you said, man, even struggling offensively, we'll see from the field, 5 of 13, still plus 38 um, on the night, 1 of 4 from 3. But I, I think he played really well last night, and I think he took took the criticism to, to heart and understood what was going on out there and, and made the adjustments. And that's what you want to see from a leader and a veteran player on your team, and that's exactly what we saw from DB last night. Yeah, and that's we, – we get on these guys. This is one thing. I see weird stuff, and you have weird conversations about things like this. As someone that covers the team – and even as the fan of the team, nobody's above criticism. It's okay. Like there, there's there for me. There were people talking about they were going to boo Dylan Brooks. At no, the yeah, that, that's no, and that that's that's madness. Out of bounds. And that, out that, of bounds, like, man. There's no way with with the heart that he plays with and the things that he. I, I will be the first one to sit here and tell you, I booed Chandler Parsons his last season in Memphis. That I'd it, like. It, and in and I was saying in hindsight, that was perfect. I mean, he was on Twitter the other day talking about yeah. the first thing he bought with his Memphis money was a sprinter to go to Nashville. Like what? Like what? Not that we're gonna turn this into a Chandler Parsons conversation, but what is wrong with this dude? Like yeah, you got the was... money, you. I mean, he's out there talking about how he played the team, like he knew he was hurt. He told this story. Like mm-hmm. why would you do that? Like yeah. why? Why now would you be out there saying that? Like I, you, you just make yourself look bad. Like I don't understand. It's like a joke to him, he and it's not fun he didn't bring anything and, and it was unfortunate because looking back at that team, Man, if you get perfect. the Houston Rockets perfect. version of Chandler Parsons, exactly what they needed. You you're looking at, at, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're a contender, you're a real contender. It didn't work out. You gamble sometimes and it fails. But to me, the way that the player approaches it, the way that the player handles it, yeah. dictates I mean, what, what happens. And I, I've had a number of interactions 
with Grizzlies players before I was a media person because I like autographing. That's one of the things that was one of my hobbies. And he was a dick, just to be honest. Like he he was one that I saw be a jerk a number of different times. And so I had no issues booing him. But if a guy goes out there, there are guys that don't have the talent to be anything more than the end of a bench guy in the NBA. And that's fine because they're still one of the best players in the world. If you make it to the end of the bench in the NBA, you're one of the best players in the world. Which a lot of people don't seem to understand. But yeah, like I, I, I respect those guys. Ivan Rab was a guy that played for this team that did not have what it takes to, to maintain on a, a, an NBA roster. But he didn't go out there and half-ass it. When he was out there, he was playing. He was giving it all. And I like I, I think he got a couple starts toward the end of his last season with yeah. the Grizzlies because of the effort and the time that he was putting in. So, like, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to boo an Ivan Rab because he doesn't have what it takes to play at this level of competition. Some of that is beyond his control. But a guy like Chandler Parsons that does have it, and the injuries are beyond his control, but the way that he reacts, the way that he talks about it, the way that he handles it makes a difference. And so that's I was I was booing him, but there's not a single player on this roster right now that I would boo. No, well, when I saw people saying that, I'm like, that's ridiculous. The heart that that Dylan Brooks is putting into this team, because like I said, I've been a Dylan Brooks defender. Like I can't defend what he did in game four, but overall in his tenure here, you know that he cares about this team. Uh, he cares about the guys on his team. He cares about winning. I know that. Um, and sometimes I guess he just gets in his own head and decides to play some hero ball like he did in game four. And that pissed me off. But again, man, I'm not definitely not suggesting anybody go out there and boo anybody on this team. Because I think everybody on this team, one to one to 15, I think all of these guys, this is a, and this is cliche. And people say this all the time that you got a bunch of good guys in his locker room. This is 100% true. When, when you talk about the Grizzlies, man, all these guys have the right mindset. Like, there's, like, really nobody on this team that I feel like is just a, a, a flat-out jerk. And, like, and you can't – there's not many teams that you're going to say that 1-15. to 15. Most most teams are going to have somebody on there that's that's not doing things the right way. And, man, you really can't say that for for, the, for this Grizzlies roster. Uh, but going, going into game six, I think – the, the reasons why you feel good about the Grizzlies going into game six is, like I said earlier, I, I think they figured some things out. Um, I think Jaron is it, a guy who feeds off confidence. And, and when he's not confident in, confident in himself, you can see it. I mean, he wears it on his sleeve. But right now, when and, and when you go back to the, to the question of, of, is this team better without John Moran? It, it's a tough question because the simple answer to the question is no. How are you going to be better than a guy that was averaging without a guy that was averaging close to 40 points in this series, seven in the league in MVP voting, and you're going to say you're better without him. That's not the case at all. I think it's it's a mentality thing, and I think when he's out, guys, I think a lot of times when he's playing, what happens is he's so good that guys just kind of stand around and wait for him to kind of do his thing. And when he's not there, I think you get better ball movement, and guys feel like, they need to do more and step up, and, and, and sometimes it ends up working. Uh, some shots that they would normally take when, when Jaws out there, they take those shots, and they're shots that they can make. And I think that's kind of what you see. So it's kind of a tough question. They definitely aren't better without Jaws. Like, that's crazy talk, and people have been saying it all day, and I've been 
kind of having conversations with people on Twitter about that. It drives me nuts when people say that. You talk about the Edmiston tweet. Like you said, he left it open-ended. So he's basically, with what he tweeted, implying that that's the case, even though he's going to say, I'm not going to say that's the case, but it is. Kind of, that's kind of what, what, that, what that says. But I yeah, think... If, if that's not what you're saying, you need to say that shit. Like, yeah. if, if that's not what you're saying... There's a plus button when you're sending that tweet, you can make it a thread and say what you wanted to say. And that that's kind of what it's like right you like riding a fence on it. I mean, that's yeah, kind of what I, I don't, you don't you you saying it, but you don't want to say it out loud. That's like kind of kind of what it is. And it's just that's crazy. It's like I just I can't say that. I can't fix my mouth to say a team is better without a, without a top ten MVP candidate guy averaging 40 points a game in this series. I just can't can't say that. I mean, it's disrespectful to Ja. It's just disrespectful all the way around. There's no way that is. I mean, it, there's, I mean, you can dive into things and the team is a little bit better defensively when he's off the floor. There are things that you can say, but just to, to make a blanket statement that this team is better without Ja Moran is just crazy. But I yeah. think two things that I feel really, that makes me feel really good going into game six is the confidence that Jared is playing with. I think he's discovered that they don't have any answer for him at all. Like, he can basically do whatever he wants to do. And he was knocking down the three as well last night. So, when he's got it going inside and he's knocking down the three, it, it's good night. Like, he's going to be a monster. You're not going to be able to do – he could have scored 40 points last night if he hadn't set him down. I mean, he had 21. But he was he was on his way to a to a monster game. Even in the short time, still had a, a, a really good game. Yeah, dude, so he I think, almost done a 20-10 and 10 game in, yeah. in 25 minutes. There's no doubt in my mind – if this game had been closer and he played more than 25 minutes, yeah. he would, he was going like big, big, you know, it was yeah. easy, you know, 20, 20 and 10. Like he, he may have been like a 30 and 15 type game if this game was close because you could see the energy and I've got to like Grizz nation. If you were at that game last night, kudos to every single fan in that building. I, I've been to, I was at, three of the Timberwolves games. Wait, how many? Yeah. No, two. I was at two of the Timberwolves games, and I've been to two of the, the Warriors games there, and that was far and away the best crowd that, that has been there. The energy was there. I don't think the entire lower bowl sat down during the first half at all, and, and that was happening. There was a lot of setting at the, the games that I went to, so – the crowd knew they needed to bring the energy, and they they brought it, and, and that's it was great. It was a great night of basketball. You could see it from the crowd. You could see it from the players. Jaron wanted it, you know, fighting, you know, jumping over and over and over again, tipping the ball, trying to get those offensive rebounds. Wait, what about and, those two black back-to-back blocks, man? Just, yeah. Block, like block he, only, he only got credited for two blocks in this game. But I swear he got robbed, dude. I, I feel like he had at least four. I, I know. Really I was do. surprised when I looked at boss scores. I saw he only, I was like, he only had two. I know it was at least one more other yeah. than those two. But yeah, that, yeah, they only man, had he, four total. But I, I feel like the scorekeeper was a little tight on the blocks that night. Yeah. I mean, he, like I said, he was on his way to a monster game. Still had 21 and eight uh, in, in 25 minutes. Um, and, and two more things that make me confident going into game six is Desmond Bain. I mean, you could tell from the tip-off that it was different. Like, if you look at these last few games, you could tell he was kind of running on his tippy toes, and that's kind of what you do when you're having back issues. He When he shot that first three, you could you could tell it was fluid. I mean, he, he looked just like himself, and he had a couple of those fly-by threes last night. Like you said, driving that, that 
that running back type drive to the basket that he was doing. He was leaving all of them short, like in the last few games. You could just tell he just didn't have the explosiveness, and that wasn't the case at all last night, man. He looks to be back, and Taylor Jenkins talked about that, about how, how much work he's been putting in with the trainer. And, man, he looks like he's back, and I think that's big for the Grizzlies because without out top Morant, man, you need Jerry to be big. You need Desmond Bain to be big, and looks like you're going to have that. And also, welcome back Brendan Clark, man. He had been struggling last yeah. few games, man, had a – Really, really impactful game last night. Uh, 11.7 rebounds, man, 5 of 7 from the field, uh, plus 20 in 14 minutes, man. He looked to be back after having some struggles for, for a few games. So you you got those three guys going, and Tyus has been – we know how tremendous he's been. Uh, I mean, just a revelation for this team. Where would this team be without him? I mean, you got Ja missing 20-plus games, and, and the record that they have without Ja, a lot of that is a testament to Tyus Jones, um, and they – asked Tyus about that. They asked Desmond Bain about Tyus and why is he able to come in and step in? I think it was the national. I can't remember who actually was the national guy. And it's like, well, I mean, he's been doing this all year. Like, like uh, he's like, I know you guys don't pay attention to us basically, but this is not anything new. Like Tyus mm-hmm. comes in and does this all the time. And, and Tyus said that he, the thing about, about him is that the guys tell him just go out and be himself. The coaching staff tells him go out and be himself. He says, I'm not going out trying to be 12. I'm going out trying to beat Tyus Jones. I played my game, and and I mean he's been been fantastic. Uh, he's been big for this team, and I have full confidence that this team can win games with him at point guard because they've done it all year. I mean, and they and they did it again last night. So I, I feel good because again, I think there's a lot of things that the Grizzlies are doing right now, and they figured out. And I think, and of course, man, you beat a team by 39. I think that gives them a lot of confidence that they can do this. Um, and and if, it, I just don't think the Warriors have an answer for a lot of the stuff that they're doing, especially with, with Jared Jackson, Stephen Adams, what they're doing. And having a, a healthy bang, I think, is a game changer. What's up, guys? It's David. Before we go any further, I've got to take a couple moments here to tell you about our new partner at Ethos Grizzlies, Ember and Valor. Ember and Valor specializes in beard care products. Let them take your beard to the next level with their easy two-step process. You get started with the beard oil to condition your skin and prevent the dreaded beard itch. You finish it off with Ember and Valor's Beard Balm to condition and shape your beard. Go over to emberandvalor.com right now and use promo code ethosgrizz for 25% off. Let them get you the beard you've always wanted. emberandvalor.com, E-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-V-A-L-O-R.com. Promo code Ethos Grizzlies for 25% off. I've got to run it by you one more time. I can't allow you to miss it. 25% off at emberandvalor.com right now using our promo code Ethos Grizz. That's E T H O S G R I Z Z at emberandvalor.com for 25% off of all of their products. Ember and Valor makes all of their products using all natural ingredients. Get over there, check them out, use the promo code, let them know we sent you. You will not be disappointed. Emberandvalor.com. Look good, feel good. The one thing Jaron has adjusted, when he was getting in the post against the Timberwolves, he was holding that elbow high, and they picked up a lot of cheap fouls on him. Because they, he was being predictable. He was doing the same move. And so Tarian Prince, I know, picked up a couple charges on Jaron. 
just stepping into, okay, I know like when he's here, he's going to pivot and he's going to go this way. I can catch the elbow in my chest, take a charge. And Jaron has adjusted to that. He, when he goes, if he feels them, when he goes to hit that spin move, if he feels them, he'll go back the other way and hit the hook in the middle of the lane. It's, he's growing. And it's when you see a player make adjustments like that, are you saying that he's got it completely figured out? No, I, I don't know. You know, like you're still going to have ups and downs. He's 22 up and downs. He's still 22 years old. Like he's going to have games where he makes mistakes. But against this team, man, he, he's in attack mode and he's getting to his spots. There's nothing they could do to stop him. They, unless they're running three guys at him, they're not stopping him because they just don't have the size or length. And Jaron is understanding that and you're seeing him. It, it was great. You know, the six, he was six for 10 last night, four, six from three. The threes were great. But even, you know, the shots that he was taking that were not threes were shots that he was creating on his own, taking guys off the dribble or, or playing them in the post and getting to the spots where he needed to be in order to to put the ball in the basket. So that it, Steve Kerr and this coaching staff, they have work to do going into game six because for those of you that thought that the the Warriors were just cruising through game five and they're going to finish it at home, they're going to have to earn it. No, this team is not going to lay down. And so that it's, it's great. Um, you know, Tyus heading into this season, I was not on the pay Tyus train. I'm like this, they can draft somebody and develop him and get somebody up, to man. be, but breaks through. Yeah. Like pay, pay the man. And that, that is, what is your top dollar on Tyus? I don't know. I can't tell you that right now. I, I was talking to my buddy, John about it. And I just told him, I said, the way that the Grizzlies structured Jaron Jackson's contract, they have some flexibility they can afford Tyus Jones is not going to command a, a max contract. He's great for the Grizzlies. He's great to have, but he's not going to command that type of money. They can keep him. I really truly feel that they can afford to keep him and his ability to knock down the three that we have seen this year has made it to where you can play him on the floor with John Morant and it's not a terrible lineup. So that makes him even more valuable because a guy like Ja is going to play, you know, in, in the playoffs, he's going to be a, a 40 minute a game guy. So that's only eight minutes for a backup point guard, but you can play Ja and Tyus on the floor together. So you can still get 20, 25 minutes for Tyus in the eight minutes that Ja is setting and then play him some time with Ja. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's just too good not to have on the floor under normal circumstances. When you have a, a superstar point guard like Ja, you don't need a point guard as good as Tyus. And we kind of, that was kind of what we talked about earlier in the season. But this team is just different with, again, how all these parts fit together. And it, it just works. Like on another team, I might say that that's not the case, that you sh shouldn't pay him. But it's just, I don't know, this team is just something different about this team that's special about how these puzzle pieces fit together. That, that it just works. And I, I just think he's such a big part of this team. And I think if, if he does walk, I think it'll be a big loss. And kind of talking about the other guy that, that's going to be a free agent is it, it, Kyle Anderson. And Kyle has been fantastic in this series. I mean, he had another nice game off the bench last night. Just filled the stat sheet, 9.6 rebounds, 7 assists, and still 
four seven from from the field. Um, nineteen minutes. Um, uh, only a plus two. Uh, we know about plus minus yeah, how that works out. But yeah. he, he, a lot he, of that was garbage time. Garbage though, time. Yeah. yeah. But he. I mean, he. It, it, again, man, I, and I already say that if you're a really good team, you need a guy like Kyle Anderson on your team because he's a guy that just high IQ, just makes smart plays, makes these tough shots. You don't you don't know how he's making them, but he makes these weird fallaway shots, and it, it seems like he makes big shots. Like when when the offense is bogged down, it seems like Kyle has a tendency to make a shot, uh, get in the basket, and get to the basket and make one of those little floaters. He just makes he makes shots at at key times, and it's just a smart basketball player just a good guy to have on your side uh, that's what I feel about Kyle I don't know what his value would be on the open market uh, but I have no idea that's a going to be interesting to see how that works out man but I wouldn't mind seeing both of these guys back I, I mean I know you can't pay anybody but what is really his his market going to be is he going to be a guy that's going to demand a significant amount of money is he a guy that wants to go anywhere uh, with, with him being a role player not a guy that's going to demand a lot of money. He, I mean, he owns a house here. Uh, but a, lot, a lot of guys kind of move the markets and kind of rent and don't really buy. He he bought a, a two-plus million dollar house. So he's here. Um, his family is here. And I think he really enjoys being here. Like, and I'm hoping that they find a way to keep him on, on a team-friendly deal. Again, I am haven't really looked at the market and w- predicted what I think he'll get. But I, he's not a guy that I, I don't – I think that you got to break the bank to get. So hopefully, man, they find a way to keep these guys around because, again – I just, you can't pay everybody, but I just think you look at the chemistry on this team and how these guys fit and how much they love each other and how much they love being here, especially in this unique to have that in a small market. I, I just think I, I would like to see these guys stick together. And, and, and like you said earlier, at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah, it's every offseason with the current front office in place, has been I don't know the the right word there's been a lot of moving parts and with the way this team is constructed right now and this is not a oh we'll keep this team together at all cost that's not feasible that that's not going to happen I I'm not on the push Dylan Brooks out of town and get whatever you can get because he's a valuable player but you've got to sit back and you have to analyze whatever happens in this series. If they make it to the Western conference finals against the Suns, how do they fare against them without John Morant? Do we see John Morant come back? And if, if they get to that level, which of these guys are going to be a part moving forward in order to get you to that championship level? And climate has made it clear that their goal is champion chips with an S on the end as in more than one. And so there's a lot of evaluation that has to happen. Can you keep Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson? Are we sure that those guys are the caliber of role players that you need to get you to the championship? I I don't know that for sure. I, I think I want to lean toward yes because of what they're doing and the quality of games that they have played and how well Tyus, man, he was commanding this offense, 21 points, nine assists, zero turnovers. The Grizzlies only had nine turnovers last night, and probably I would say four of them happened, happened at, you know, like when it was a, a game, and then the other four, five were garbage four, seven, time. Three. 
Yeah. Also, four seven from three. So, so it, it was and a block. <laughs> so he's yeah, just it, doing it, it all great, right there. Man, he 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 looked fantastic. The entire team did. And when you have a win like this, you're you're gonna look fantastic. But it's one game at a time. They're still backs against the wall. They have to win a game in San Francisco in order to win this series. Because you lost game one at home, you are going to have to win a game in San Francisco. It just so happens it's game six. And if you lose, you're going home. So, yeah, I was going to say, I know it's game six and, and back against the wall, but I kind of look at it and I, and I tweeted this out last night is even, even when you, even before the series first started, even before they lost game one, you figured nine times out of 10, Golden State at some point was going to win a game in Memphis. I mean, they're, they're a really good team that you probably weren't going to go 4 4 0 against them in Memphis. So I felt like at some point you were probably going to have to win a game in San Francisco. And I know it's not quite the same thing when you're talking about a game six and you're back and against the wall, but that's the only thing that they haven't done in this series. Golden State is one in Memphis. Man, go to San Francisco and get one. I know we don't have John Moran, but we saw what this team is capable of last night. We've seen all season that this team is still fully capable of winning games without John Moran. So I feel like, man, go out there and do something that I felt like that you were going to have to do at some point anyway. That's kind of how I, I'm, I'm approaching last night. Because I, I never – if somebody had told me before the series started that we were going to win this series, and I would have I wouldn't predicted that they just won four games in Memphis. I would always predict that if, in order for them to win the series, they were probably going to win at least one in, in, in San Francisco. So, man, that's, that's the opportunity, the situation they're in. But as I laid out before, I was like, man, win game five. If you, you go out there and win game six, you're, you're tied. I mean, they're – Golden State's not in any advantage anymore. You've taken that advantage back, and you have that game seven at home. And can you imagine what FedEx Forum is going to be looking like Monday night, man? Perfect tip-off time, 7.30. That gives time to crowd to get there, man, get in their seats. Man, there's, there's not going to be a roof on that thing uh, Monday night if they get back to game seven. I can't even imagine what that atmosphere is going to be like just from the tip-off, just because of how – this series has played out to be down 3-1, man, to, 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 to win that game on tomorrow night, man, and come back to Memphis and have a game seven. I just – it's going to be nuts, man. That's going to be an, an atmosphere. I'm sure the, probably the best atmosphere that we've seen in this playoff series. I think it would be special. Uh, but I do want to get your opinion on this. Um, I saw – it was an account Grizzly, I think it's the account, uh, put the audio of the end of Draymond's podcast today. And at the end of his podcast, he said, this is going to be the last time that we're talking about this Grizz Memphis series. Next time I come on here, we're going to be talking Grizz Phoenix. So first off, he's negating Dallas like their Dallas has no chance. And he's also basically implying that there's no chance that they that they lose game six. <laughs> but kind of what, what are your thoughts, thoughts on that? Uh what what do you expect from him? Honestly, like it, it's not like I, I don't mean that that's kind of rhetoric. Like he's a confident dude, and, and you can see that anytime that he is in front of the camera. And you know, that's why his podcast is, is so successful, or one of the reasons. But you know, you, you don't go into it. If you go into it with uh oh, I, I don't know if we can get past this team then like that's a that's a tough men mentality to go into the game with so i'm not surprised that he said that but i mean he's not the only one man we have been dealing with this 
the Grizzlies, according to everybody, were you know like almost an underdog in that in that Timberwolves series, and that it was a tough matchup. The Timberwolves played them tough. The Grizzlies done well, beat that team, but there were a lot of people that were still not giving the Grizzlies the credit that they deserved after beating a tough Minnesota team. And then here they are as the two seed against the three seed Golden State team, and it's no respect. So I, I don't, I don't expect a lot from him as far as a giving the Grizzlies team a lot of respect because that's just, you know, you're playing for the Warriors. Why would you put it out there that you know you can respect somebody but not fear them? And I really think that that's where it's at for Draymond Green. I think that he has a level of respect for this team because of what they're capable of. He's talked about Jaron Jackson and the Warriors' inability to stop Jaron Jackson. And so he realizes, he gives these guys credit. And and as much as you see back and forth between NBA players, I I think that they all have a certain level of respect for each other. Man, I kind of see it the opposite way. Because to me, I like you said, I mean, I think the Grizzlies have been disrespected all around. I I, I think – I don't really buy into the Draymond flattery. I think it's just that. Like, I, I still think – I don't think he fully respects this Grizzlies team. I don't think any of them do. Steph in the press conference last night kind of had this era of, oh, well, kind of playing into the just we kind of laid down, but we know we're going to blow this team out on Friday. And, and it's fine to be confident, but, but as far as the Draymond Green thing, I just don't think I would have said anything because he didn't have to say that. Like, like you could be respectful. Like he added that in purposely. Like there was no reason for him to say next time we come on here, we won't be talking about this series anymore. Like there was no reason for him to say that. I I, I take that as a sign of disrespect because I I feel like if you really respected the team and felt like they had a possibility to beat you, just, you don't have to say, well, I'm not sure that that we're going to win this game. You just don't have to say anything. That's kind of how I take it. So I do take it. I, I do take kind of take it as a sign of disrespect, but. But it's, I mean, but it's not anything new. Uh, like you said, this team has been disrespected year round. And, and on the inside the NBA, I want to mention this. Like, those guys flip-flop, I said, more than a, than a, a fish in a bag of rice. Like, first off, Charles Barkley, prior to the game, well, and at halftime, was talking about how the Grizzlies had no chance that they, that, and then when they were blowing them out at halftime, he was just saying, oh, well, this is just the Warriors laying down that they're going to come out and beat them um, in, in, in San Francisco. And the, and on the on the post-game show, now Charles was saying, and Shaq was defending the Grizzlies uh, on the pre-game show at halftime, saying that this is real, that the Grizzlies came out with a sense of urgency and they just kicked their ass, basically. On the post-game show, now you got Charles saying, game six, watch out for the Grizzlies, that this is serious, and I think the Warriors know this is serious now. And then you got Charles saying, I mean, you got Shaq saying that, that the Warriors are going to beat them by 30 on Friday. Like, I'm like, what? Like, I mean, what, like, that's the complete opposite. Like, they switch, switch roles. Charles is now giving the Grizzlies credit, and now Shaq, who has been giving the Grizzlies credit, saying they're going to lose by 30. Like, man, you can't, can't make it up, man. It's just clown behavior on that, on that show, man. It's, it's entertainment only. Like, those guys don't give you any. Kenny Smith and Ernie are kind of the only guys on there that you ever, and even, even Kenny at times is flip-flops and, and does, says crazy stuff. But those are the only guys on there that you're going to get any real analysis out of. Charles and, Shaq, you can just see when they talk like they're thinking they don't even know what they're talking about half the time. They don't do any research. They just say whatever dumb thing comes to their mind at the time, and they contradict themselves sometimes on the same show. Like, 
it's crazy, man. That, that was just crazy to me, though, how they kind of flipped roles there when it, from, from the pregame show to halftime to, to the postgame show. Those two fellas were all-time great basketball players. They're on yeah, that no show doubt about that. for entertainment value. That's it. But, that, yeah, that's what it is. But I just want to mention, it's it's 3-2 going back game six. This Golden State team, this Golden State core has blown a 3-1 lead before. It has happened. It's not impossible. You've got to take it one game at a time. The Grizzlies have to go into game six. They've got to focus on winning game six before you get to game seven. If you don't win game six, you don't get game seven at home. And this is this series and that Milwaukee-Boston series, to me, I want the two seed to win so bad. Obviously, for this series, this is a Grizzlies podcast. You know why I want the Grizzlies to win. But teams in the East were dodging that uh, Nets team and that's how the, the Celtics came out the last game of the season against the Grizzlies and played their starters, beat the crap out of the Grizzlies playing their starters. They played to win. These other teams did not. Yeah, they, wouldn't Boston, the they gave Boston that two seed. So if that series, and it was that game uh, last night between them was really close, came down last second, Giannis was clutch. But if Boston forces a game seven and then wins that, money in, too. In, 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 <laughs> if they win that series in seven because they get that game seven at home, how huge is that? And how many times did we talk about the Warriors just looking like they were laying down? They didn't care what seed they got. And I understand having confidence in your team and overextending your guys, making sure that they have energy for the playoffs and all of that. I get the strategy behind that but it can backfire, and I want more than anything for it to backfire in both of those series. Yeah, the Bucks absolutely laid down. You talk about the end of the season, I think they rested guys in two or three games. Drew Holiday the started, bro, but he, he played like seven seconds, yeah. walks up and fouls Darius Garland and sets down in order to get a bonus. So it was, yeah, like that. They, they you yeah, can they call it resting their guys, but they were ducking Brooklyn, and Boston's like, we don't care. And they yeah, you saw what happened to, to, to Brooklyn when, when they got there. So, yeah. But going going into this game six, I, I think I think what I think the beginning of this game is going to be huge. Um, I think you don't want to see what you saw in in game three. Uh, it's 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 what you don't want to see. You don't want to see the Warriors come out with this three point shooting barrage and, and kind of put the Grizzlies away early. You want this. You want the Grizzlies to come out and, and keep that crowd down, even if not necessarily get out to a big lead, but you want it to be super competitive early. You don't want to see the Warriors come out and get on a heater and and, and kind of run away with the game. Because I, I, I think if the game is close or, or the Grizzlies are up by a little bit, kind of like what you saw in, in game four, that's going to put doubt in, in the mind of the Warriors. It's going to put doubt in the mind of their, their fans. And, and that's kind of how you want this game to go. I expect this game, to be really close. I don't think the Grizz is going to beat them by 39 like they did last night. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close ball game, but you want to keep that crowd out of it and don't let them get comfortable because when they get going downhill, like we saw in in, in game in game three, sometimes you can't come back from that uh, because if the Grizzlies are not making shots and you have those three guys making threes, it, it, it's kind of hard to come back from that. So the Grizzlies need to stay connected early, even if they're down a little bit. Don't let the Warriors get out, run away with it, and get that crowd rocking. Because I think that the longer the game stays competitive, 
the, the more doubt is going to creep in to, to their Warriors team. And, and I think that's what you want. And I think that's the position that the Grizzlies, because I, I definitely think the Grizzlies are, are, are in their head. Um, and again, I don't think they felt coming to this series that that could happen, but I, I think they have some, a little bit of pause now. I think they felt like before oh, we could just turn it on. We're going to win the series. I mean, we might struggle tonight. They might get a game here or there, but we're going to come out. I don't know if they feel that way anymore because I think they understand that there's some things that the Grizzlies do that they don't have any answer for. And I don't think they're 100% sure of themselves anymore. And getting into a game like that, I think it's going to bring even more doubt in, into their minds. And I think that's what you want. I think more than anything, and that maybe not more than anything, but I think something that's going to be crucial in this game six, heading into game five in Memphis, you look at the the officials, Zach Zara, Tony Brothers, and it's like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Yeah, Four-hour game is what you thought. It's going to happen when you see Tony Brothers on there. Yeah. They let them play last night. They let them be physical. They let this be playoff basketball, and that favors the Grizzlies. If you get an official crew that lets them play and they let them be physical, that's the Grizzlies' game. That's Dylan Brooks' game. That's Dylan Brooks getting into Steph Curry, bumping him, giving him a shove, making sure his shoulder bumping him. I can't tell you how many times in that game, in game five, where even off of the ball, any time that Dylan could make contact with Steph, he was doing it. And that wears on him. That that wears on these guys. The the Grizzlies are built for it. The Warriors are not. And so not that the referees will decide the game, but if they allow it to be a physical game, I really, really like the Grizzlies' chances. I really didn't think we would go this long just talking about one game, man, but we're knocking on the door of an hour. I didn't had a lot of good content, a lot of good stuff to talk yeah. about heading into game six. The Grizzlies back against the wall. Again, final score of this one, 134 to 95. Isaac, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? Uh, one thing, Grizzlies uh, franchise high in, in playoff scoring last night. I think it was 129. Previously, they beat that uh, last night. Uh, I was like you said, going over 130 to 134. So broke that record last night. And maybe they send in the extender tomorrow, tomorrow night. Scott Foster, that's what they – they call him, man, because they say he comes in the extend series to seven. So I, I don't know if that's what I want. I don't think I want any parts of Scott Foster tomorrow night, but we'll yeah. we'll see. Uh, Pete Pranica always puts that out. He'll have that out to tomorrow morning, man. He always jumps on that. So we'll we'll find out. But I think that's definitely something to watch going tomorrow night. And it's crazy that that matters. Like you shouldn't care who the officials are. They should be essentially nameless to you. You shouldn't even know who these guys are. But it's but. Obviously, that's that's not the case. So that will definitely be something to watch tomorrow morning. Yep, for sure, man. It's uh, I never thought whenever I was getting into basketball that I would know this many <laughs> yeah. names of officials. It's crazy, but but it, it is what it is. So big game tomorrow night in San Francisco for the Grizzlies. Must win to get it back home for a game seven. The most magical words. In the history of sports, Game Seven at the FedEx Forum. I hope it happens for a couple reasons. Number one, I've never in my life been to a playoff series Game Seven, and that is something that um, I, I will definitely be making making the trip down to the Forum to to see that. But just to make this series go seven games, 
whatever happens, you winning two games without John Morant against a team that, according to everybody outside of Grizz Nation, is superior. Says far superior. Far yeah. superior. <laughs> yeah. So it's there'll be a lot to talk about. The Grizzlies get through Game Six, force Game Seven back home in Memphis. It's gonna there's there's gonna be I, I got a feeling that the Game Six follow up podcast is gonna be long because we'll have plenty to talk about. So we we appreciate you guys tuning in. I've got to look at this to make sure I get it right because my girl changed it on me. Her Candace is not with us tonight. She will be back on the next episode. Hopefully her new Twitter handle is Candace H nine zero one at Candace H nine zero one. I am at David W two one one one. The show is at ethos Grizzlies. Get over to Twitter. Find us, holler at us. We enjoy the interaction. Isaac's going to let you know where to find him and get us out of here. Yeah, man, going to be another late night, Grizz Nation. So get your nap in, 9 p.m. tip uh, on ESPN. Could be a little bit later than that, depending on how Celtics and Bucks turn out. That's a 6.30 tip, both games on ESPN. Hopefully the Celtics can, can push that out into a game seven because I, I, I would love to see it, man. That's been a fantastic series. Looks like the Celtics had that game last night, man. Uh, I had the Celtics on the money line. Did not work out. Uh, Giannis misses the free throw. Uh, Bobby Portis gets the rebound, tips it back in, and just, I think, a, a bad play on, on that last possession by the Celtics. I don't think they played that right. Milwaukee stole one, so hopefully the Bucks or the Celtics can get one in Milwaukee and bring that thing back home to Game 7. And hopefully the Grizzlies do the same thing, uh, as we said. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Um, again, man, we'll be back with the post-game uh, either late tomorrow night or on Saturday. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. So then, so Grizzlies, give us a like and follow we appreciate that, and until next time, we got it. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.